1: What's up, guys? Welcome to the newest installment of My Take Radio's Behind the Mic interview series. This week, I am interviewing Andrew Zarian. He is the creator of the GFQ Network, the guys from Queen's Video Network. He has a network of shows covering a multitude of things, so we're going to cover a little bit of GFQ. We're going to talk about some of the shows that are on his network and just learn a little bit more about his brand. What's going on,
0: Andrew? Andrew? Before, hey, Rich, uh, I want to thank you for coming on here, but before we say anything, I do want to say I am a Paul Heyman guy. Oh, so am I. I just want to get that out there. I've been a Paul Heyman guy since ECW at the Elks Lodge. Listen, I, you know, when I saw your website, I saw you did a lot of wrestling stuff, and I used to go to the Yelks Lodge every chance that I could, and I was like, wow, you know, somebody that really uh, gets it from the neighborhood, so you would get the reference. Oh,
1: yeah, I'm a, I'm a 100% a Paul Heyman guy. He is he is on my bucket list of people I'd like to talk to.
0: You know, one of the guys that I've been trying to interview for, and I don't have too many guys that I really care to interview because I, I rarely uh, do a lot of interviews. You know, I've interviewed the people that I have interviewed that I've been, I've been really surprised with are uh, – be real from Cypress Hill. I interviewed him and I was blown away by him. Just a brilliant, brilliant guy. But Paul Heyman's been one of those guys that I've I've come close every time, and we've had like scheduling issues, and we've never really uh, finalized it. So he's also on my uh, my list. You know what the problem is with with Paul? He's uh, he doesn't like talking about wrestling. So that's the thing. Yeah, listen, I I totally get it. I mean, would you want to talk about? I wouldn't want to talk about it constantly every uh, chance that I get. Yeah, I'd I just I just want to pick his
1: brain because he's got way too many ideas in there. I'd I'd probably only talk to him about something wrestling
0: related for all of five minutes. No, he's actually uh, surprisingly he's one of my influences into why I started GFQ. Oh, nice. Well, speak. So I, I stand by him.
1: Well, going going segueing right into it, you started GFQ in two thousand and nine. What was what pretty what what got you motivated to go this route and and create this network
0: uh, a lot of alcohol rich i'll be honest i uh, i I had just gotten married in uh uh oh eight uh the following year I bought my house and i got laid out I got laid off from my i t job I had sold my business I had a business with my father we sold the business and uh, I got laid off from my job so I was sitting at home for a while, uh, really not knowing what to do so i started Listen to more radio, and I I've always been into radio for years. I've always been a Howard Stern fan. I've listened to Open Anthony, uh, big fan of Phil Hendry, uh, legendary radio guy, and uh, even like Tom Lykus. And I got into I got into it even more, and I started podcasting, and uh, it just spun off from there. And uh, my co-host Kunal Aurora, which actually started the network with me, we started GFQ. We had a falling out. He stopped doing it. I continued it, and uh, about two years later, he came back. So. It kind of spun from that.
1: What are what made you go the network route? I mean, a lot of people, they start their shows one-off, and they just do it themselves. And they never really contemplate spinning off. But you went all in and created a complete network.
0: What what pushed you in that direction? Well, you know, you know I did start it off with one show. GFQ Brand was the guys from Queen's show. It was just the GFQ podcast and... Uh, when kunal left i spun that into the andrews zarian show and gfq was the brand and the umbrella and then we added i think we started the Andrew zarian show in about yeah, i'm going to i'm you know what i can't even remember i'm sure one of my audience members is going to tell me but i want to say it was may no, i want to say it was june june 09 we started my show and within the first month or two we added uh, a car show with my co is John Amato, which was with the network for about a year and then we added a tech show after that and it just spun after the first three and uh we're at thirteen shows a week now Wow and how do you how do you set it up? Do you have a dedicated area
1: i mean you know look for for those of you that obviously can't see you have a pretty legit studio set up so did you set up a, your, own, your own studio and have everybody broadcast from there, or do people do it remotely? How do you have it set up?
0: Uh, as some people do it remotely, um, but every show pretty much takes place here. I believe one or two shows a week are remote, but uh, pretty much everything is done internally. We do have Skype co-hosts, so that makes it a little bit easier to maintain in the studio, but I've dedicated uh, an entire portion of the house to the studio. The front end of the house is the entire studio. Wow,
1: that's amazing! And how are you, with regards to y- your advertising platform? Like, like how do you, how do
0: you make GFQ self-sustain? Oh, that that's the that's the magic uh, key that I don't talk about. No, I it, it's it's actually interesting. You know, I've always spoken about this, and people ask me all the time on how we're able to kind of survive. Uh, this is my source of income. This is my my job. Uh, many people ask me, and I and I constantly tell them, you know, it, it has to do with uh, the target audience that you attract uh, the type of content that you 're providing out there, and if your advertisers are happy with the ads that you 're providing right now we have uh, we have one domain registrar. i don 't want i don 't want to plug it on your show, but we have one main advertiser that 's been with us for about a year now uh, and they 're a website company and they 've stuck with us for a while and they you know really support us and then we have a couple two or three smaller advertisers that kind of pay the bills gotcha. But I mean we've been very lucky and we've been uh you know I just want I just want to say it, it's it's half talent and I guess half luck really because they're guys that are far more talented than I am, and they're not able to create a revenue for what they're doing I, I think it has to do with the way you put yourself out there and the way that people find you. Our main advertiser found us i didn't i didn't find them
1: how did you how was the transition from you know working a nine to five like you were saying you know you got laid off and just turning this into your your life's blood i mean i do you know I do, I do my show once a week but it's a constant workflow every day like my nine to five job but in between my nine to five job i'm still working on all the show stuff how did how did you switch into just being an entrepreneur how how, how did you start functioning in going in that direction
0: you know, I was never a 9 to fiver, and a lot of people think that I was. I did work in the whole corporate world thing, and I did do the IT stuff, but I was never really a 9 to fiver. Uh, when I was 18 and 19, I, I made my money playing the stock market. I sold stocks, so I made a decent living with that. But I always had a gig some doing something else. You know, I worked in retail for a couple of years. Uh, then I opened up my business, which is definitely not a 9-to-5. It's more like a 7-to-10. You know, you're constantly working. You're putting <laughs> right. in... 80 hours a week. So I, I did that for about five years. I had a party supply business in Glen Cove, Long Island. Uh, then I was doing IT work, which was about three days a week. But I actually I, – the job was great and the money was great and it was, it was secure because I just got married. And that's the worst thing you want to do is kind of shake things up at that point of your, uh, your life. But I did it just to do it, but I absolutely hated doing it because it's not what I felt like I was meant to do. I always wanted to do something for myself. I like working for myself. I I like doing things my way. Uh, And I know that doesn't really fly in the corporate world, Uh, even though, you know, some people do it. I was able to tolerate it and do it. And I, you know, God forbid this doesn't work. I'll always be able to go back and do that. But it was never my thing. It was I always wanted to work on my schedule. It's it's amazing to hear
1: you say that only because the the way you 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 paint the corporate world is pretty much how I see it. You always get that feeling that you don't belong there, and it makes it incredibly hard to, to function when you know that that's not what you want to do. So. But
0: you know what, though? I'll tell you, Rich. I would never be able to do this if I didn't have that experience. And I learned one thing uh, in being in the corporate world. You have to constantly eat other people's crap. Yes, yeah, sir. I agree. I, I, I don't know if you curse on your show. Oh, we, we curse okay. all the time. So <laughs> you constantly have to eat shit, and when you're tired of eating somebody else's shit, you you finally you, you give your shit to somebody else to eat and that's what the corporate world is. And I've you know, being able to work with so many different people. I mean, we have may, I, I wanna say and I, and I don't know the exact number, but maybe anywhere from sixteen to twenty personnel with the GFK network. I mean, we have one full time guy and a lot of part time guys and other guys that do it just because they want to do it, but it's a lot of personalities, a lot of egos. And I have to kind of manage all of that, and the only way that you learn how to do that is if you have experience in the cor- corporate world.
1: That is that is true, and it's 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 sickening that you have, when you sit down and work on your own stuff, you start plucking things that you learned from your regular gig. So I can relate to that as well.
0: No, no, I definitely learned how to deal with people. Being, uh, I worked for the Gap for about seven years, and uh, I have it was one of the best jobs that I ever had, and, and one of the best experiences I ever had as far as learning the corporate environment, learning how uh, the, the BS of just dealing with people and how to treat other people. You know, a couple things that I learned. One was uh, you have to constantly eat other people's shit. And when you're, when you're tired of eating shit, that's when you become the boss and other people eat your shit. <laughs> and the other thing that I learned was treat every employee as if they're a two-year-old and kind of you know, position yourself as listen to them and make them happy. You can't really argue with them as far as if they're unhappy with something or or they don't like somebody. you have to kind of sit there and listen to them and and, and understand where they're coming from that's a that is a crazy way to look at it I mean
1: you know we have a a, sm- a small staff. All our staff is very integrated. So I-, I can I can imagine how hard it must be to juggle 13 shows. And
0: I mean, and, and not everybody's like that. I'm just coming up with a few of the difficult guys. Uh, Chauncey Hayden, which is legendary here in New York. Uh, right, Stepping out magazine, stepping out magazine. Now with Metropolis Nights magazine uh, How from the Howard Stern show. I mean, legendary, legendary guy. But you have to treat him like a two year old. I mean, that's just how it is. Well, when you, when
1: you approach a, a guy like him, and that's, you know, it, it's funny you, you mentioned him first and foremost. How did, how did your relationship with him come to pass where he started doing shows on your network?
0: It's actually very interesting. I actually wanted nothing to do with him, and the last thing I wanted to do is work with him because knowing him from the Howard Stern show and, and uh, knowing everything about Chauncey being in the New York Tri-State area, you really don't want to work with him. But uh, I was working with Leslie Gold. The radio chick, uh, she had a network, an online radio network called Shovia about two years ago. And she hired me to do a Tuesday night spot for her network. And I did her show. And it was it was kind of stressful because I was doing the shit same show, my Thursday night show, on Tuesdays with a different crew. So it was very difficult to manage and it was not that great. Uh, so it became like a clusterfuck of sorts to do the Tuesday night show. As far as doing a Thursday show, so I just stopped doing it. I mean, I couldn't do it anymore. She called me up, and I was thinking she was going to fire me. And she said, "We're closing up shop. Revenue is not good. Where we just can't do it." Do you want some of the shows that we have? And I said, "Well, who do you have?" She goes, "Well, I think you'd be really happy if you had Chauncey Hayden." I "I don't want. I I said, "I don't want." I said, "Honestly, Leslie, I I love you, and I love you know everything that you've done for me because she really gave me a break and." She was probably the first legitimate broadcaster that kind of gave me a break in the business. She uh she's like, "You know what? Why don't you just meet with him and see what he says?" And I met with him and I really liked him. We hit it off immediately. Uh you know, being on the cover of Step Night magazine last year doesn't doesn't hurt either. No, sir. So, uh, I gave him a chance and I and I love the guy and he's like family at this point. Him and my wife are are best friends and uh, he was just here this morning actually. Yeah, I I remember
1: Um, the radio chick, I used to listen to her on K-Rock because I'm a huge ONA fan. They actually, they actually fuel most of, most of what I do on my show. So I can, I remember her, her block of audio as well.
0: So you would, you would, you would understand when I tell you that, uh, Ben Sparks was on my show this morning. Oh shit. Ben Sparks and Psycho Mark were both on the show this morning. Psycho Mark is a fucking whack job, but he was amazing. on he ONA. was on this morning, and he was screaming about, you know, he's so right-wing, and he's screaming about the liberals in Massachusetts. I mean, great radio. But uh, how it happened this morning, and, and only an ONA fan or, or a Howard fan would understand, is that uh, Ben Sparks is sitting in my in the studio, and, and I'm with Kieran from Lunatic Radio, and we're talking about it, and Chauncey Hayden knocks on my door. And a lot of people don't know this, but Chauncey Hayden was sued for $10 million by by Anthony by Opie Yeah, I remember that because of oh, an it, article of a uh, defamation. Because it was a defamation lawsuit because of Psycho Mark and Ben Sparks because yep. they told they called Chauncey up and said, "Listen, we have a sex tape of of uh of Opie's girlfriend at the time." Elena. And the guy like,
1: from Jackass,
0: yeah. Uh, Bam Marjorie Margie, Margie, Margie I I'm not too sure what it, Yeah, Bam Margera, I remember that. Uh, Bam Margera, There you go. And they were all part of this defamation, $10 million defamation lawsuit. By the way, uh, Opie did, uh, did not win the lawsuit, but uh, Ben and Tronti have never seen each other since the deposition. Wow. And, they, and Ben at one point thought it was like a setup. We were setting him up for the show. And I said, dude, I, I really—it's not a setup Him and my wife or friends. I—the I, guy's coming to pick up a camera. He didn't even know you were here. So that was interesting to see how they would interact with each other. But I'm in the middle of this, man. I'm—it's—it's it's bizarre. It's—it's it's like a circus in this house because my studio is in my house, uh, and a lot of people don't know that. But those—those those are the daily things that I deal with.
1: That's—that's that's fucking insane. It's, yeah. yeah. It—it's it, it, great, you know. And that was one reason why I was trying to set this up with you. Also, it's just because. It's amazing how, you know, a lot of the, the, the same people we know and the stuff we tie together is is similar, right Right down to the people that we, we've listened to and inspire us.
0: Yeah, I mean, listen, I grew up on Howard from the time that I was 10. I, I would be listening to Howard, so uh, yes, he is an inspiration. There are a lot of things that I do that are very Howard-esque. Uh, we have a new segment at the end of my show, which is kind of like an homage to to Robin and the news and... Every now and then, I'll throw you know any, what else, anything else in the news, Jess, you know, to my wife. So that that's my thing to Howard. Uh, I also do the aha uh-huh, aha uh-huh, yeah thing that Howard <laughs> does. I mean, but that that that's 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 just me hearing him do it and it's kind of stuck in my head. But the last thing anybody that wa- that, that gets into this business, uh, podcasting, or even if you have two people listening to you, the last thing you want to be is a guy that sounds like some other guy. Agreed. I agree 100 percent thing. I mean, it's great to be influenced because I have so many influences in this business. But I I don't want to be Howard. And I'm sure initially when I started, I did a lot of things I would say. You would say that, you know, kind of like Howard things. But I I don't want to be that guy. You kind of want to create your own sound. I don't think anybody wants to be that guy uh, because it worked for Howard. It didn't work for anybody else. But he is my biggest influence in radio. And that's probably single handedly the reason why I got into this.
1: Yeah, I I can I can understand that and the toughest part and this is something I had been meaning to ask you. I know you do, you know, you do your show, you do tech news weekly. What kind of a workflow goes into building these shows with regards to show prep and equipment and how how do you
0: build all that for each show? Well, each show is kind of different uh for I guess I guess I'll start off with the beginning of the week. Uh, the only show prep that I do is for um, What the Tech, which I write the show out with Paul Thorat, uh, which is one of the biggest bl- tech bloggers in the industry. Uh, I, I write that show out. Uh, we do you know, an outline of the topics we want to talk about. It's in about an hour, so it's not very difficult. My show, I, I write the entire show out as far as the outline goes, but a lot of people don't know Kunal Arora, which is my, my co-host on the show, he, he'll write jokes on the fly. Wow. So uh, for people that are Howard fans, he's like my Jackie Martling. He'll write a joke, pass me the joke, which you don't really see on camera. I'll look at the joke. I'll either use it or I'll pass it back to him and he'll use it. Okay. So we're constantly writing jokes. I mean, there are times that I write a joke and I'll pass it to him, but he's the head writer of the show. Uh, and that's kind of the dynamic for that. So a lot of writing's going on until the very last five minutes of the show. There's constantly writing happening for that show. Uh, for the free for all with Spencer, we really don't write it. It's call in show, and we kind of just uh, just go with the flow. Tuesday, uh, Thursday show. I'm uh, sorry, Friday show. Tech News Weekly. Suncast is all the notes for that show. I okay, don't he does all the work for that. So it depends. I mean, work uh, from show to show. It's kind of different. Some shows you're able to just go, you know, with with the with the fly. Uh, other shows, you kind of have to really go detailed as to uh, what you're going to talk about. Because if you have two, three hours to fill, you better have a lot to talk about.
1: Well, when you when you complete these shows, are you taking the archived audio also and releasing it out there? Or do you wor- build it in such a way that you want people to kind of stay isolated to your network? You know, some people, they finish their shows, throw them on iTunes, throw them in podcatchers before proceeding to the next live broadcast. Do you kind of want to keep people on GFQ site before doing that?
0: No, you know what it is? Realistically, I would love everybody to be at GFQ, but I know that's not the best way to get your content out there. I mean, realistically, I'm not a celebrity. I'm not a Joe Rogan. I'm not a, a uh, Adam Carolla. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not Kevin, Kevin Smith. So I can't – I don't have the celebrity hood to drive the masses to my website. So what the, what's the other thing that I could possibly do? I could attach myself, partner with other companies, and kind of attract their audience to come to me, and that's how we did it. Uh, after each show is, is – uh, we have p- content partners. Ustream, Justin TV, uh, Stickham, Livestream, and Stitcher are all content partners of ours. So our shows are all – Broadcasting on their sites and a number of other uh, live streaming sites. I think uh, TuneIn Radio, Livia Radio, uh, I forgot, Radio Time Network we're on too. So we're on a couple of them. But uh, we, we put due to live shows on all those other feeds, including our website. And we allow the audience to decide which feed they want to watch. After each live show, we take the show, uh, Suncast, which also does all the editing for us, he'll edit the show. Uh, audio and video, put it on iTunes and put and send it to Blip, and Blip distributes it to I think like twenty different feeds, twenty different distribution methods. Wow! So we were, you know, we rely on our content partner. Blip TV is a big partner. Uh, YouTube is a big partner. Uh, Stickam, Ustream, those are the big four, actually. How do you? How are you able to pretty much split it where
1: all these different video streams are able to? To access your your video at the same time because i've seen a lot of people try it you know with wirecast and stuff like that and it's just it, it becomes an over, an overwhelming mess i mean i 'm not telling you to to give out the recipe for your success but just how does how do you build that
0: no 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 i'm totally open about it and one of the things that i've always said is um, when I first started in the in doing this i had um, I'm not going to say his name. I've said it a couple of times when I've been drunk on one of the shows, <laughs> but I'm not going to say the name now. But a big time uh, name in podcasting. Some may say he started it. Oh, I know who that is. Um, and I- again, I'm looking at my audience. Actually, one guy that was a huge help was Leo Laporte. I uh, just want to say that because I now talk about that, too. Leo really promoted us and helped us out. But another guy that was big in podcasting, he claims to be the uh, innovator of podcasting. Yep. I sent him an email, and it was just – I'm sure he gets a 1,000 of these. So I, I, at first I was kind of bitter, but I kind of don't blame him at one point. It, it's weird. It's like different stages I go through. But he was he was a dick, and he pretty much told me he's like, there's no reason why you should do this unless you're, you're a comedian or you're a big name. You'll never get a following. Nobody will ever watch you, and the most thing you'll ever do is get more than 50 people. And I swore to myself I would never do that to anybody. I don't care if you do the worst type of content – it doesn't matter what my opinion is of your show. I'll still help you out. Right. So you're paying I, it forward. Yeah, you know what? And, and I, I consider that paying dues. You know what I mean? Like I've, I've kind of – I've been in the business for three years. I've paid dues for three years, and I'm still going to pay dues because there are people doing this for far longer than me. Right. Uh, but I use VidBlaster to stream my shows. I, I, I Wirecast is a great piece of software. Yeah, I tried that. <laughs> of, a lot of people like Wirecast. It just – for whatever reason, at this current time – uh, and I'm being very uh, careful what I say because I don't want to really say the software is no good because I, don't, I, I feel that it's great for many people. For me, it just didn't work for me. Gotcha. I, and I used this a couple years ago, so I'm sure the software has changed. I just haven't had the time to play with the latest version of it. Uh, there are a couple key features that I kind of need that Wirecast is not doing it. One is uh, virtual video, so you, like I can stream to Skype. You can't do that with Wirecast currently. With VidBlaster, you can, and I've been using VidBlaster for about three years that I've been doing this. And, you know, VidBlaster is not perfect. I-, I wouldn't imagine any software to be perfect, especially in this business, because it's so so fresh. It's like the Wild West, you know, everything is just happening. But we use VidBlaster. We stream at uh, 480p, 864 by 480. Uh, we have, uh, right now, if people watching the live feed, I'm sure your podcasts are not, but. Uh, I have a Canon camera that does this shot, my main shot, and I have a bunch of webcams around the studio that do the other camera angles. And we take that main broadcast, and we distribute it to other computers, and each computer sends it out to every one of our websites. You know, one goes to Stickham, one goes to JustinTV, one goes to Ustream. I would I would not want to see your light bill. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you right now, my, my gas and electric bill, and remember, this is also a house, uh, in New York City, so let let's, you know, deduct whatever the normal cost is. It's a big bulky house. I mean the house is about a hundred years old. Uh my gas and electric was about seventeen hundred dollars last month. Jesus Christ. So that that's about every month my gas and electric are about anywhere from a thousand to seventeen hundred dollars. That's insane. Yeah, it's, yeah uh, mean, it's it's a it's a very uh expensive hobby.
1: Oh you're you're not kidding. I mean and and that was the other thing I was gonna I was gonna ask when you're when you brought your your wife in with you you know like 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 even my fiance they're they're supportive they come in how did you how did you approach telling her hey i'm going to do this full time this is going to be
0: my gig she she constantly says um a she was probably not sober when she <laughs> when she uh said yes but but b she did not think this would be a career i think she was she was happy that I was keeping myself busy while I was unemployed and I was looking for a job rather than just, you know, sitting in front of the TV. Right. Uh, she, uh, she really didn't think that this would be a m- big thing. She thought I would do this for a couple of weeks with a couple of my buddies when we would drink. You know, we would just do like a podcast. We would do it. It would be something for us. And then she saw she's like, well, you know, he's doing this every week. He's doing two shows every week. He's doing video. He's doing audio. There's an audience, you know. When you're seeing a couple thousand people download a show, you're saying, well, you know what? Maybe there is something here." But now she's the CEO of the company. She she runs the company really. That's crazy. You know yeah. she uh, she does a lot of the business deals, a lot of the advertising deals. She closes the deals, uh, syndication deals, uh, charity events she does for us because we do a lot of charity events. Uh, a lot of stuff. A lot of our partnerships are because of my wife and and the way she she does business. That's just, awesome. Pretty in front of the camera, Rich. That's all I'm here for.
1: Well, that was my that that's the next thing. How'd you adjust to being in front of the camera? I know some people they take to it naturally. Some people how many how many shows did it take till you said to yourself, I finally hit my stride? Or was it I, something automatic?
0: I never feel comfortable. I still get butterflies every show and uh and Leslie, when I first started, you know, Leslie was a good mentor, and uh Spencer Coburn, which does the bold truth for us, he's really been uh, a mentor, and I really give him a lot of credit for uh, develop, you know, for who I am on the air now because he's been very honest with me, and he's kind of coached me because he's been on the radio for many years. He was on NEW, uh, WJFK, KLSX, uh, many, many stations here in the uh, the country. But uh, I've had good, good people, good mentors, but I still don't feel comfortable on the air. I mean, I'm nervous every show that I – but two seconds before I'm hitting the show, I still got the butterflies. And I told Leslie that once, and she said – you know, you don't want to do this when you stop getting that feeling. Right. <laughs> you just want that feeling because you want to be on your toes. You know, it's not just nervousness, it's excitement. You, I, I mean, I love being on the air, and, you know, there are times that I complain about it, but I can't see myself doing anything else other than this. Uh, I'm, not a, I'm not a great broadcaster, like I said before. I don't think I have that, that radio sound that many people have. Uh, I, I just I stick to who I am and I just talk in front of the camera. But I'll tell you one thing. I am an extremely shy person, and people – when I tell people that, they don't believe me. I hate speaking in public. I get really nervous if I'm around a lot of people. That makes two uh, of us. <laughs> and I'm a total introvert. I, I hate being in public. I hate going to meetings. Uh, I hate traveling. So it, it's, a, actually, it's quite bizarre how I'm, I'm comfortable, and I'm able to do this in front of you know a couple thousand people watching. But if I have a couple hundred people in front of me, I'm very nervous. That's crazy. Yeah, I, I did a i did a, I did a keynote at Blog World last year in New York City, and we had a huge booth at the Javis Center. It was phenomenal. If I'm sitting in front of the microphone and I'm talking, there were people in front. I mean, maybe there were like 30, 40 people watching while it was happening. Uh, I was very comfortable doing that, but when I was in a room and I had to give that keynote and I had about 20 to 30 people in there, I was very nervous, and it was an awful, awful keynote, and... Uh, somebody came up to me and they go, you know, Andrew, I, I listened to the show and you're so comfortable on that, but you were so uncomfortable in front of the room. I'm like, yeah, I, I, I hate public speaking.
1: It's it's really tough to, to make that adjustment. I mean, I do, you know, three hours and then I go and I have to go and walk a show floor and try and d- set up guests and try and do stuff and you just can't get it out. So that's why I had to ask that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, how you you do three? Well, three hours is a long format. I we do a three hour show uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday with myself and Kier McCann from Lunatic Radio Show. And uh, I notice after the first hour or two, you know, it gets kind of difficult, and you really have to be prepared to do three hours. So if you're doing three hours, I mean, I, I, you know, I commend you on that.
1: Yeah, we do we do three hours at a click live with calls, and you know, we take live calls, and you know, you you know the deal. (laughs) Yeah, but I um, mean, oh, it's tough. Well. The one thing I I was going to ask, when when you do the the live shows also, and you were mentioning that you do the call-in, do do you have somebody independently screening also?
0: No. that's the worst. No screening, man. We go in blind. I mean, there are times that it's... Oh, my God. (laughs) It's it's phenomenal, and there are times that it's awful. That's insane. You know, we're pretty lucky with the calls, and I could kind of... You kind of learn in a way, and it's weird. Like, you kind of adjust and you know which numbers are fake numbers and you kind of learn that but uh we haven't gotten like a prank call in, in in quite a few months actually which i'm actually surprised at now that i say that we're probably going to get a prank call <laughs> we only do calls on Friday show so gotcha. Friday show i'm able to we, spencer has an 800 number so he's able to have six people potted in the system and you know it's just a constant rotation if you're going to prank us you're not going to sit on hold for about 20 to 40 minutes Ah, I see what you're saying. That's a, so, that's a good way to do it. So the people that are that are going to prank us, you know, they're they're hanging up within you know five minutes because they don't. want I mean, that's that's a lot of effort to say you know you suck or Baba Booey or something, you know.
1: <laughs> Baba Booey. Only I think only you and those of us here locally and and Stern fans can can expect a call like that. So. <laughs>
0: I you know I love it when we get that I got I got a call and somebody kept screaming Howard Stern's penis and I I absolutely loved it I, I you know what are you gonna do that that's just how it is, uh, but uh, you know so as far as people that had helped me uh, to get back to the question you asked before Leo Laporte was a big help for us, uh, and uh, our, when we first started I want to say maybe like a month or two he promoted us and he promoted us for you know three or four shows he kept talking about the guys from Queens podcast it was wow. like a joke he would say like oh what are you the guys from queen's podcast and we got thousands of hits i mean thou- i mean when i tell you thousands and and this guy's reach is just mind-blowing what an audience he has and you know his audience is not necessarily my demographic for every show we have some shows that kind of merge in right. that demo but uh it was just unbelievable you know leo
1: leo is a is a guy i listened to when i when i first started listening to podcasts in 2006 i listened to him only to get ideas on presentation i could never gel with him in terms of listening to a show and feeling um connected like yeah. like you like you like you know when you listen to a show within the first 5 minutes if if you're going to build a connection and you're going to continue to listen and i just couldn't do it in terms of tech and stuff i always felt he was a you know cutting edge. But I just couldn't get into it because there was a part of me that felt that he was, uh, he was hype on himself. But when you're at the top of your game, you're entitled to be. So I he's, respected that. He's,
0: yeah, he's at top of the game, and there's really nobody. And I know a lot of people, uh, and I call it Leo casting. And I speak to Paul about this constantly, how a lot of people do Leo casting. And when I did uh, my keynote, I brought that up. That and, and I brought up the Howard Stern thing early on, too. I mean, a lot of us are influenced by, by the shock shock thing, and a lot of us are influenced by Leo and other tech podcasters, and you don't want to do that. You don't want to look and sound like uh, Leo or Howard or Opie and Anthony. You don't want to do that. You want your own sound. So when I said that, uh, a podcaster, which I'm not going to say who it was, Uh, Got up and left and felt insulted that I was insulting because he's sitting on the ball and he has a high LPR 40 and, you know, he's regurgitating everything that that guy's doing. And it's great for what he's doing and it works for him, but it it is not going to work for anybody else.
1: No, I think I think that the whole the whole thing about podcasting that separates every every show is a level of of presentation that doesn't make you sound like everybody else. I mean, our my, my audience, they I, I'll be honest and say that they probably nine times out of ten want to kill each other because of what we cover. Yeah. So, you know, I, I understand you can't you can't sound the same. But with no. that with that said, how how is your how do you gauge your audience response? How does the audience interact with you? I know you have the live calls and social media, but how do you
0: how do you go out there and solicit feedback to help you build your brand? Well, the feedback is is real-time because we have a chat room. We have an IRC chat room at our website at gfqlive.tv, and I'm able to see real-time how they're reacting to certain things that we're doing on the show. And it's in a way, it's a, it's a positive, and in a way, it's a negative. And I'll tell you why. Uh, real feedback uh, is great when they're interacting by what you're doing. But there are times that you can't really base your opinion on the audience i mean and i'll tell you why we've done bits on the network that certain people have found uh a little too raunchy or a little too uh adult okay and you've kind of curved the content i pulled back from it and i wish that i hadn't pulled back on it because it would have been a better bit so in a way it'll hurt it because if it's based on one or two people you could kind of You'll kind of see it and you'll say, you know what, Christian T in our chat room didn't like me saying that, so I'm not going to say it again, while yeah. the rest of the people that didn't complain about it liked it. So, right. so it's very difficult to do that, but, I mean, most of the time that doesn't really happen. Uh, we, By the way, in my chat room right now, Joe DiMax is saying that I'm upsetting him, uh, and then Christian T said, I'm glad to be an A-hole. <laughs> so. Uh, You know, I'm this is the feedback that you get. The other great thing about the feedback from the chat room is content. There are many times that I'm looking for a name. I'm calling I'm looking for a celebrity. I'm even even on the tech show. You know, I never claim to know what I'm talking about. Uh, Many, you know, with the tech stuff, I'm an enthusiast. I'm not an expert. So I'll be talking about something and they'll fill in the blanks. So if you're listening to the podcast, it really sounds like I know my shit. Right. But in reality, it's, you know, MC Phillips in our chat room. Which is uh, your your guy that told you about you know GFQ? Uh, it's him giving me the idea. For example,
1: I see what you're saying. What um what's been the most frustrating thing so far in doing GFQ and 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 just getting the network out there? What's what's one of those things that you wake up Sundays and you're just like, I can't believe I have to deal with this shit today?
0: <laughs> uh, there's a lot actually. Come Aiden one. Uh, uh, you know, there are many times, many Wednesdays that, you know, tomorrow apparently we have Karen from uh, Mob Wives on. Karen is Johnny DeBull, Johnny DeBull's daughter. daughter. Yep. Johnny DeBull, for people outside of New York, is the man who rotted, ratted on, allegedly ratted. Well, no, he did rat on. He did uh, rat on. John Gotti, and he pretty much caused the mafia that, at the time to collapse. So we have her daughter on, which is from Mob Wives. I am positive from 7 o'clock in the morning to about 10 minutes before showtime, I'm going to have her cancel, uh, appear again, cancel, say yes, cancel, and say yes. Wow. Uh, so I, I rarely get celebrities on my show. I don't like dealing with it. I'd rather concentrate on the content. A lot of the other stuff is a technical issue that plagues every one of us. Yes. I mean, every one of us, no matter if you're, if you're Leah LaPorte or you're you know Joe Smith doing a podcast to two people. Uh, broadcasting from your laptop, you're going to be plagued with very similar issues. Uh, one issue was, you know, um, a- MC Philip in our chat room said uh, – we were talking about – he put a he put a link on his uh, Twitter for a ground loop issue. And this has been an issue that I've been having for a long time, that I have a ground loop if- issue. So did I. So <laughs> if I pot my, my channel up, anything that's connected to a computer, you'll get this buzz or a hum. Uh you know he posted that and i had known about the issue and i had known about the correction but i just it, i just never continued with it you know i just dealt with it i saw he put a link on on twitter and this is the best part about the community and this is the feedback of course uh, that you were talking about i saw a post on twitter and he put a link to a product it was like 9 bucks i ordered and guess what it corrected my ground loop issue i mean it's things like that that are really beneficial and and that i enjoyed and the other aspect is the daily bs of Ah, uh, the technical issues and the celebrities, as far as uh, doing a show, I really have an issue. I mean, on the air, you know i'll I'll fuck around and i'll and I'll attack certain people, but it's never anything personal.
1: Have you gotten to a point where you've gotten frustrated with your audience? and I ask just because there there are some days where <laughs> there's some days where you know how it goes.
0: Um, I' don't, frustrated in one way. I mean I'm actually I'm absolutely grateful for the audience that I have and they're so engaged and well that's you
1: know. that's the thing see the, the I I mentioned that because in in doing a show and you know I I'll, I'll use myself as the example you give you give 3 hours of audio you do what you got to do and say you come back on and you go hey um you know what'd you guys think of that
0: and you just hear crickets
1: you know oh. just because you want to kind of know the direction it helps you know like if somebody says hey I don't like that I don't you like know, that don't skit
0: I'll tell you, you know, the only, I, I'm, and again, I'm so grateful for the audience that I have. And I have guys that have been here for every show since I started. I mean, I, I'm looking at the chat room. I have Uber Geek, which uh, he's not in right now. But he's a name that's been associated with us from day one. Earl Wallace in our chat room. He's been here from day one. And a lot of other guys that came on a couple months later. But um, the thing that, that, that drives me nuts is, some, let's see somebody turns around and is like, uh, there's no audio. Oh, shit. So I'll panic. I'm like, oh, shit, what happened? And I'll look, and, like, two or three other people say there's no audio, but there's no audio issue. Oh, yeah, I've had that. It's like, the audio is muted. So when when it comes to that, yeah, that could be a little frustrating. Uh, it could get a little annoying that, you know, one or two people. But, again, that's the same thing. You're listening to one or two people rather than everybody else. Gotcha. But as, far as, as far as the audience goes, uh, Rich, I'm so grateful to the audience that I have. And, you know, I've, it's – I'm very lucky. I'm very, very lucky for uh, what 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 I have here because again, I don't I don't attribute it to talent as much as I do with luck.
1: I, I I hear you on that. I mean, I've I've had instances and and you know, MC Phillips can vouch for this where I've where I've beaten up my audience because sometimes I'll tell him, hey, try, listen to this audio and give me some thoughts, and he'll come back and be like, yeah, you were a little upset there, you know, only just because. Like anything else, you want to you wanna gauge what works and what doesn't work, and sometimes you want uh, a barometer of, of people, even if it's like you were saying, you know, your core listeners to at least come back to you and say, hey, you know, maybe you might want to tweak this or tweak that, not, not for yourself, but just for the overall benefit of your audience.
0: Yeah, you know I, I've always and and this is advice that I'll give anybody and uh, of course I don't think I, I think I'm, I'm I'm the best thing because I, I don't and I don't again I don't feel that my content is't necessarily the greatest thing out there but uh, you have to be true to yourself and you can't believe your own hype you know as as people on radio because this is radio I mean regardless of what people think uh, you know we're not on FM or AM but this is a a uh, a bigger platform than anything that that AM or FM or satellite radio can never be. They're both. They're all three of them are obsolete formats. I mean, satellite radio is dead in the water. They're paying their talent about a hundred dollars a show, which is which is uh, disturbing in many ways. You're getting a hundred dollars per show. So if you do five days a week, you're getting five hundred bucks, and you're doing a morning show. Uh, there are producers in satellite radio that are working for the big shows. I mean, I'm talking uh, the, the big big shows on satellite radio that are making. 30000 a year, uh, and that, that's, that's pretty depressing if you ask me. And it's sad because these guys are extremely talented. They're just not paying out the way they should because it's an obsolete format. So what we're doing here is cutting edge. Uh, and, and, again, I'm not talking about just myself. I'm talking about the industry alone, and you know we, we've stuck to this term as podcasting, and it should be called internet broadcasting because that's what it is. Uh, we are all broadcasters, but uh, it, it's interesting where it's going. One thing that I could say, and again, uh, and I'm going to go back to this, is that when when you're doing this, you you can't believe we all hype. I mean, I'm sure you hype yourself more than you actually think of your show. I mean, that's just how it is. And sometimes I'm my own worst critic, and you, I mean, you know how you, that goes. You got to be you got to be self deprecating, and you have to kind of yes. be relatable. But there are many people out there, and I'm again, I'm not going to name names. Uh, that they, they think that they believe the hype that they presented our audience, so I could go on the air and say, uh, "My show's the best," and my audience will understand that I'm, I'm BSing and I 'm playing around, but there are people that actually think that content is the best, and that is the worst thing you could possibly do. Mm-hmm. You have to be grounded. You have to understand that listen, uh, w- there's always room for improvement. You can't be arrogant about what you're put doing, and those are the people who fail. Those are people who cannot accept the fact that they might not be doing the right thing, and they might not be doing the best broadcast. You have to be open to criticism. I mean, I get emails all the time. I, and listen, I, I, I don't listen to the, the the emails that say, oh, you suck with no feedback. The most important content is you know, if, if somebody in your chat room or a regular says, hey, listen, Andrew, uh, I, you know I'm a fan, but I didn't like this. That's the feedback you should listen to. Right. Because it's not there to hurt you. It's actually there because this is a person that actually listens to you. So I always listen to the feedback. I get emails all the time. One thing that I constantly do is say, that's interesting. And the audience knows when I'm not interested in something because I constantly say, well, that's interesting. (laughs) Because I'm not paying attention. They've they've picked up on your
1: verbal miscues.
0: Yeah, yeah. Also, the Queens thing really uh, is another thing. Like, I can't say percent. I say percent. Yep. Because I'm from, from the neighborhood, from the area. Uh, I'll say uh, just a lot of things like mirror. <laughs> yes, you kind of you kind of swallow. You know the you swallow a,
1: the r. You're yeah. like mirror.
0: Well, my my wife is actually from Woodhaven. Okay, uh, and she grew up in Bensonhurst. You know her family's from Bensonhurst, so she has Brooklyn. This, uh, this Brooklyn Queens like that area that that border area accent is really fun. Like use guys. Yep, you know percent like ah oh, you know. She she just has that thing, and I constantly say to her, "I'm like, you know, you're getting a doctorate, and you sound like you're you're like a longshoreman." <laughs> Shit. But, but that's one thing that I never thought I had. I always thought that you know certain words that I pronounce it properly, but you know, to somebody outside of New York, you sound ridiculous.
1: What has been what has been the? I I guess the high point since you've been doing this, like, what was one of those things that you said? Damn, I love my my job.
0: Uh... I, um, I actually, one thing that I'm really proud of is that I, I emceed, I guess I hosted a benefit for Japan after the tsunami, tsunami, uh, stickham did an event Wow. Uh, where it was a 24 hour event and I hosted about five hours of it straight. Holy shit. I, I actually, I was so exhausted after that, but I was really proud of what I did. Uh, and I was really flattered that they asked me to do it. Another thing is for my interviews, uh, of course, working with Paul Therod, which is a big name in radio in, in podcasting, uh, you know that that says something if he wants to work with you. Uh, I interviewed B Real recently, and I thought that was a great uh, moment for us. But I mean, other than guests, I would have to say certain the fact that I've been doing this for three years and my audience is still engaged means something, you know, and that kind of proves it that I've been so consistent at it and it's it's kind of clicking to many people.
1: Yeah, you you've kind of. Uh looking at it like you're you've reached that not the brass ring, but you have so many people that are engaged that it motivates you to keep going. Like like I, I spoke to a guy and he was like, I remember, you know, my first hundred downloads. He yeah. goes, That was that that was my achievement, you know, just because it's like, wow, a hundred people wanted to listen to my bullshit. So it was it was amusing to hear that, you know, because yeah. those are the, those little milestones that we strive for.
0: I think right now we've hit, like, 15 million live views on Stickham. Wow. Uh, and, and that's a big, you know, for, I mean, again, it's live numbers. Numbers don't mean anything as far as that goes because, and again, this is me putting myself down, but anybody could constantly click on yep. the video and, and, you know, it could generate numbers. But I'm proud of the fact that we've, we've achieved such a thing. I think we have somewhere like 20-something million live views since we started the like, last two and a half, three years. Um, we're getting good downloads. I mean, as as long as I see growth, I'm extremely happy with what's going on. And the fact that you know we we've we've I'm, I've worked with good people. Uh, being on the cover of Stepping Out was a big thing for me. I mean, I, I always I, I rag about it and I say you know it was a free magazine and you know I'm on a cover of a free magazine with two alleged you know prostitutes. Uh, you know I've joked about <laughs> that, but I mean that that's it was a big thing and it actually took me back when I saw the magazine cover. Uh, that I'm on a cover of a magazine, you know, right. that's, that's regardless if it's a free magazine or not, it, it's a it's, it's a big achievement for somebody, especially in this industry, when we really don't get mainstream oh. old style news coverage. No, nope, there, there is none. Every 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 little bit
1: of exposure, good, bad or otherwise helps. And, you know, you've done you've done a, a great thing, man. You know, I, I you know, I, I got to throw kudos your way for what you've done.
0: Uh, but uh, you know what uh, come to think of it one of the most important moments was uh, we had a we had like a launch party uh, at a uh, revel in Long Island City okay we had about 300 people show up holy and shit and i got up and i was doing my speech and it actually choked me up and i had a tear in my eye because i was i was blown away that so many people showed up you know that was kind of it, it took me back that so many people came to this event when, you know, I started with by myself sitting in front of a shitty microphone and a laptop <laughs> talking about nonsense, you know. And now, you know, a couple hundred people showed up to this rooftop party that we had in Long Island City. I mean, that was a big deal for me.
1: How have you picked the guys that you currently have on your network? Do they approach you? Do you approach them?
0: Uh, let's see. Uh, I actually started the network with Kunal, and a lot of people didn't know that um, Kunal and I, Kunal's a stand-up comic here in New York City, and uh, we had this idea dating back to 2007 to do a podcast, and we just never did it. And we finally sat down, and we did it, and it was great on air. Our chemistry was phenomenal. Uh, I, There was a good connection with us, but off air, he was just such a pain in the ass uh, because we were partners in this, you know, and it's it, – it, and we have such strong personalities that it didn't work, so – I just stopped talking to him, and it was like a breakup. We broke up for a couple of years, uh, a good year and a half. We didn't speak to each other. So Kunal, uh, we started this together. Um, originally, my show, the Andrew Zarian show, was me, myself, uh, John Amato, which uh, I grew up with. We were good friends. Uh, Joe Savino, which did a lot of our PR for us at the time, and my wife. And the lineup is totally different now. You know, It's me, my wife, uh, Kunal, and Coco. Coco was a guest on the show, and he ended up – he laughed, and I said his laugh is money. <laughs> and I got to have him on the show because he has such a good laugh, so I put him on the show. Uh, I'm trying to think who else. Uh, Suncast was a viewer. Uh, Paul Therott, he was a guest a couple times. Um, Spencer Coburn approached me for some video help, and we ended up you know building this relationship. Chauncey, I told you, uh, through Leslie Gold. Rich, I've known since I was 13. That's crazy. And the funny thing about Rich is that Rich and I used to go to karate together when we were kids. Oh, shit. Rich is about a couple years older than me. So we used to go to karate together, and that's how I met Rich. And we were very good friends, and I guess we drifted apart as I got older and he got older. And uh, I was looking for writers, and we, we got together, and we hung out. And I'm like, hey, you want to do a show? And he show's great. So it's everywhere, you know. You kind of pick up everybody from everywhere. Some people through the show, some people that I grew up with that happen to want to do this for a living. I mean, it's it's a coincidence, really. Yeah, it makes
1: it. it, It's funny just because you you know uh, before we started doing the interview, it's like wow, I know I know some of these guys. So it's that's why that's where the question came from, like how you built the talent pool you have.
0: You know, as far as a broadcaster goes, I would say really the only legitimate broadcaster on the network is Spencer because he was he's been on the radio for many many years. Second, probably Chauncey, and it doesn't look that way if if you listen to him. But he he had a he was actually one of the first internet broadcasters. He was on something called IATA in the early two thousands, and I don't know if you know what it was, but it was a internet broadcasting. Network that did audio and video, and uh, you know, Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer was probably the most popular show on there.
1: I remember, wow, I do remember that because a- I follow Meltzer now.
0: <laughs> a Meltzer and Brian Alvarez, yep, uh, did the Wrestling Observer daily, and they did a wrestling show every day from four to five or four to six. Chauncey Aiden was on in the mornings. Uh, And a weird thing on a side note, Chauncey Hayden owns all rights to anything Iyata did. He bought all the rights to him. Holy cow. Yeah, so he owns all those shows, which is great, because I I actually asked him, like, hey, do you have those archives? He's like, yeah. I'm like, oh, I'd love to hear them. That's crazy. He's been on the radio. Um, Lunatic Radio has been doing podcasting for about a decade now. So they, they have some experience. But everybody else, you know, these are guys that are just fans of broadcasting and fans of whatever they're talking about. Yeah, because even you, you came
1: from an IT background, and you pretty much self-taught yourself all this stuff, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's all self-taught. I mean, and if anybody tells you it's not, this is not real-world experience. I mean, I don't think anybody, even in radio, has had ever experience with VidBlaster and, you know, the stream crashing and you stream going down and your router now working properly. I mean, these are all new experiences for all of us. Uh, so I think it's the playing fields are even. I mean, as far as technically getting a show on, and, and kind of promoting yourself—it's all out there. The rest, you know, some people are more talented than others. But as far as uh, distribution, uh, everybody's on the, the same level, really.
1: Where where do you want to take the GFQ network? I mean, it's a it's an open ended question. But
0: what what do you aspire to do with it? Uh, do you want do you want my 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 secret dream, or do you want what I really want? Fuck it, give us both. My secret dream is that Google buys me out for twenty million dollars, and I say "f you" to everybody at the network, and I just bail. Yes, uh, <laughs> I tell that. I, I, you know, that's my threat to everybody uh, on the network. Uh, I keep telling, them, like, you know, what? If you constantly push me, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna sell, and I'm not gonna give you a dime. But I, I mean, of course, my dream is, um, my, my dream is to really uh, grow this and kind of uh, create more of a profit than we already have. Oops. And, uh, you know, just grow it. I mean, that, that's really what I want. By the way, I, I people in the chat room want me to say uh, uh, Eric Lanigan. Yes, Eric Lanigan does a show for me on Fridays every other week, and I absolutely love the guy, and he's a brilliant, brilliant guy. Okay. So that's Eric. Uh, I absolutely, actually, Eric was a huge asset for us getting him on the show. So now the chat room is, is erupting because I mentioned Eric <laughs> Lanigan. But, uh, you know, it's everybody's dream. What do you what do you want from your show? Really, Rich? I mean, you want it to grow. You want to have an audience and then eventually possibly uh, create revenue from it.
1: Revenue is always uh, revenue is always at the at, you know, at pretty much in the in the back of my mind only because and and you you can vouch for this. You you build your product and you're investing your own money into it. And at some point you kind of start saying, you know, the the return isn't on par with what you've invested and and even though people say oh you know don't get into podcasting expecting to make money that I agree 100% but you reach a point where you invest so much time that you you know you kind of want a small victory you know you want that affiliate check for 20 bucks cuz you know that's that's
0: hosting for a month you know sure no i mean anything helps and again we we're very lucky with the sponsors that we have and we're able to kind of support the network and uh you know we've made We've made this year, I mean two thousand and eleven we were very profitable, but i have I did not put a penny in my pocket. Everything went back into the company because i've invested yes. you know thirty thousand dollars you know it's a, it's a big investment if you look at it as far as technically and all the all the setups and all the computers you know if you look at each computer being almost fifteen hundred dollars and we have eight computers here and all the lighting and all the reconstruction and all the mics i mean it, it becomes very pricey but uh you really don't do it to to create money you're doing it because you you, your passion but if you a couple bucks you know that's great yeah that that's exactly it at the end of the day you want to have
1: you want to be able to say all right i made a couple of bucks to foot the hosting this month or
0: i i my accountant wanted a summary of every all my expenses and i i calculate i spend about three thousand dollars on bronzer alone (laughs) tanning man you gotta you gotta look good for the camera well you have you have you have my utmost respect for that i i still
1: can't do it man i've tried you know, I do unboxing and- videos, and all you see are my are, are my hands. That's it, <laughs> my hands and my voice.
0: No, man, I got to – i I've been – I'm so used to the camera. I don't know what it would be like not to do it in front of the camera. The yeah. camera's a plus, and that's why I've always sold it. You know, the camera is this voyeuristic view into what we're doing, but I, I actually enjoy listening to the shows more than watching the shows. Right. I uh- got – it, but, but you know, you know how it is, man. It's it, it's it's a tough business, and it's tough to find the audience, and it's tough to uh, keep the audience. And you gotta constantly refresh yourself. And a lot of people come and go, and a lot of people stay. Well,
1: one thing I, I wanted to ask about that about refreshing your audience. How are you? How do you promote your, yourself? Like, but put it like this: like you go to to a meet and greet, and people ask, "Hey, what do you do?" And you're like, "Hey, I I host a show." How do you present? Your network to the layman, to the average to the average Joe.
0: Hang on. I, I actually – I've had a difficult time explaining to people what I do for a living. Mm. And, uh, somebody actually I – mean, I'm going to quote it because I don't even remember what the term was. But somebody actually um, – actually, I went to the wrong website and now I have a crazy pop-up ad and I can't leave the page. Let's leave the page. And sorry about this. Hang on. Let me, I'm going to read what he wrote. Because I don't even remember the, the term that he used, but I think this describes what all of what I do, at least, um, perfectly. And I'm trying to log into Twitter because I use it as my Twitter handle. Uh, <laughs> in, my, not my Twitter handle, but I use it for my Twitter profile thing. Leading producer of talk radio format internet programming. All right. That is what I do, Rich. <laughs> when people ask me what I do, I say, oh. I'm the leading producer of talk radio format internet programming. That's I, – I
1: ask you that because that is, the, I think, one of the toughest things when you try to explain to a regular person, hey, what are you doing? You're like, well, I do radio. Oh, what station are you on? You're like, fuck.
0: Yeah, yeah you're like, oh, fuck you. <laughs> you know, that's my answer. When, when I get a guy, like um like a family, like a relative. They're like, oh, uh, what station are you on again? And I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> You know very well I'm not a, I'm not on station. No, you know what it is. I, I tell people we do talk radio format, internet programming, and they kind of understand it. But I hate, and, and this has been one of my things. I hate using the term podcast. And I, I know agree, this industry is is based upon, and everybody uses it, and I'm I use it too. I mean, I'm guilty of it. I, I think we need to get away from the podcast thing, and I need, I think we need to start representing ourselves as an internet broadcast. I am an internet broadcaster. You were an internet broadcaster. I think we need to start making that the term for the next couple of years because the podcast term, really, when you tell someone it's a podcast, they don't know if they should look at you like you're doing something really good or if, you should, if they should look at you as if you were some guy doing it in your mother's basement. I mean, no, no knock to anybody doing it in their mom's basement, but there are two different levels of what a podcast could be. Right. I think it's, I think it's a far more evolved term to use internet broadcast.
1: Well, that's that's the best part. It's like when you try to to break it down, and podcast. I, and I agree, has become a misnomer now because when you hear pod, you're automatically going to be like, "Oh, I can only listen to it on my iPod." And it's like, no.
0: You know what I think of? I think of, <laughs> I just think of this just a depressing, depressing scene when I hear the word podcast. And listen, I do a podcast, but I I mean, I just think of this 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 weird idea of what a broadcast should be and, and that that's that's just my my weird thing with the word podcast and I use podcasts all the time I mean you have to use it for SEO purposes I understand that but we are not podcasts I mean what is a podcast really why do you if somebody outside of this bubble were to hear the term podcast what would they think they'd probably nope. just think it's something that you hear on an iPod. Yeah, what's a, what's a podcast? Uh, something on an iPod? Like, what's a cast? What's a, what's a pod? Like, you don't really understand it, right? When you tell someone like, "Oh, I'm an internet broadcaster," they kind of could put put that together, right? They know the word broadcast and they know the word internet. I agree. I mean, that's just one of my weird things. I, some people like the term podcast. Some people don't. Um, I don't know. I, webcast, netcast, somebody in the chat said, you know, that's another Leo term, which I understand. I don't call myself a netcast. Uh, you know, we're an internet talk show, whatever. Whatever. The, we're, we're just this awful thing, if you want to call it. <laughs> I, I I want to backtrack a second. You were talking about,
1: you know, spending $1,500 on a rig. Um I wanted to go into that a little bit. With, with regards to the, to the stuff that you, that you do to power your studio, given your IT background, are you building the stuff yourself? Are you going out and going to the Apple store and buying all Mac stuff? Like, How do you, how do you go about picking the ideal uh, broadcasting equipment?
0: It depends. Like My laptop that I'm on, and I chat with people, and I, I don't really do anything. I, this is my personal computer. I have a MacBook Pro uh, that I'm in front of right now. But every other computer that I use, I've, I've built myself. Cool. Uh, You know they're all Intel i7s. Uh, You know they have to be pretty, pretty uh, fast machines to be able to handle what we're doing. Uh, We also use FiOS, and thank God for FiOS because I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing if it wasn't for FiOS. We have two FiOS lines coming into the studio. Uh, One is one is a fifty. I think it's like fifty by thirty-five or forty-five by forty-five. I don't even remember the speed, but the other one is twenty-five by twenty-five. So we have a lot of bandwidth to use, also. Gotcha. Uh, but everything else is pretty much custom built, and I've built all of them uh, to work the way I needed to work. Yeah, I
1: I asked because I I too that's how I got. I had to build my own rig. I had to give Time Warner the boot. I too use FiOS because yeah, Time Warner. You know, oh look, we're just going to disconnect your internet while you're on air at two a.m. You know, so I I figured I would ask about what kind of you know how how you went about building the 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 studio you have and what was the gear you use. You know.
0: Yeah, I mean, as far as as far as um, the 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 hardware goes, we built it all. I mean, I I, I put everything together, and and you know we're constant. Every six months, we're upgrading at this point because yeah. the industry's changing. I mean, the hardware's becoming faster and cheaper, and uh, we we eventually want to be doing HD by the end of the year.
1: It, it's funny because I see I see in the studio a blue snowball, and um, yeah. it's funny. I um I used to I, use a Yeti Pro when I did the shows, so. You know there blue always ties into people that have been doing podcasting a long time there's always one guy that's like, "Yeah, I did a snowball or I used this so it, it, it's it's a nice trip down memory lane seeing that in your studio
0: yeah i'm a big fan of blue and the and the even the you know pro mics that they use the mic that i 'm using is a uh, and people always ask me this it 's a electro voice uh cardinal which was designed by Blue. This was originally a Blue mic, and they used it under the EV brand because Electro Voice bought Blue, but I've always been a fan of Blue, and the, the Blue USB mic, the Snowball, was my first mic. I used it for about two weeks, and then I switched over to XLR's uh, you know, regular microphones.
1: What do you, um, are, when you're playing some of the, the sounds and stuff on your show, um, are, are, do, do you end up using a dedicated mixing board? Everything is on the computer, Cause that's the toughest thing for me. I end up I ended up using my
0: iPad as my soundboard. Uh, what do I use as my soundboard? Yeah, like you mean you mean like on the free freeform when we're playing clips, right? Yeah, I actually use my MacBook Pro and there's a great software called Soundboard. Uh, I forgot the company that makes it. I can't. Uh, somebody could can find it in the chat room. I'm sure somebody will tell me. But uh, I it's called Soundboard. It's for the Mac. I think it was like 29 bucks. And I have all different soundboards for each show, and I just use that.
1: I use Soundboard on the iPad, so it's funny I you mention that.
0: The yeah, I have it on the iPad. It's a,
1: great, it's a great piece of software, too. Yeah, that's what played the intro prior to the interview. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, it's a great piece of software. I'm absolutely a big fan of their product. Uh, it, it's been a huge help because before that, I was queuing up everything in iTunes, and I was just hitting them manually. Oh, what a pain in the... S. Oh, man. It was, it was bad. Um, but you did say something interesting. You said, how did you do it at first? You know, at, at first, and I didn't think of it t- until about last week. I said it on the show. When we first started the show, we were doing it over Skype, and we were recording the Skype conversations, uh, which was awful. Then we decided that Kunal and I need to be in the same room. So we would actually – he would sit in my kitchen, and I would sit in my office, and we would <laughs> Skype each other and do the show over Skype in the same room. In the same house. And that didn't work either. And then that's when I started piecing it together. I mean, I pretty much started with zero audio and video experience. And, you know, we we were able to grow it with all the uh, great advice that I received over the last couple of years. All right. Well, you know what? I think we've got
1: everything covered. (laughs) Excellent, man. That was a great time, Rich. I had a good time. Yeah, we went went about an hour and 11. um, Wow, look at that. Just to... uh, Wrap things up for the recorded portion. You can listen to the Andrew Zarian show this Thursday at eight PM Eastern. Um also you can listen to the Tim Dillon show and Kieran McCann's Lunatic Radio uh at eleven AM that Thursday. Yes, are you a fan of Tim's? I I, I think everybody here at the network is a big fan of Tim's. I've heard I've heard Tim stuff just going through your network. That guy you know some people they say are a natural yeah. He's, he's one of those. Like, yeah, he's, he's going to be
0: – I'm telling you I, and I guarantee you he, there's going to be a day that he leaves the network and I know that because he's going to be a huge, huge star. And I don't get this vibe from a lot of people. This guy is going to be huge. Yeah, that
1: he, he has he has great presence and he always sounds like – like he just woke up and decided, oh, I'm going to record today and it just sounds fluid. Yeah. So, you know, definitely I, I wanted to throw that out there. But, again, man, you, you have – my my utmost props for for the work you do thanks you
0: know. rick that means a lot actually coming from you
1: you know and i wanted uh, to to thank uh mike phillips for for introducing me to your brand and to the work that you do man because it's great and it's great to see another another local
0: person putting in the yeah, same
1: no. the same work you know
0: and i feel the same way about you you know i, I checked it out and i i, I could have swore i stumbled upon your show uh, through some other means, you know, before you messaged me. And I remember seeing your, sh- your your website. I'm like, oh, you know, this is a sweet website. And uh, I, I checked it out. I'm like, oh, you know, he, he talks about a lot of the stuff that I talk about on my show. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I wish you nothing but the best and uh, continued growth. And hopefully we can do this again.
1: Yeah, definitely. You can uh, catch all of Andrew's work and all the other hosts on the GFQ network. You can go to GFQ network.com or you can go to guysfromqueens.com as well. You can follow Andrew on Twitter at @andrewzarian and I'm sure he'll be glad to hear from you. I will. You've just heard My Take Radio behind the mic offered exclusively to My Take Radio app owners and Stitcher subscribers. You can listen to live episodes of My Take Radio every Thursday at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Blog Talk Radio network. Just go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash Take radio and you can click the play button during live broadcasts. You can also listen via your mobile device and you can even dial in and listen on your phone as well. If you're getting the show via iTunes, please take a moment and rate the show. We'd really appreciate it. You can follow my take radio on Twitter at my take radio. Become a fan on Facebook or add us to your circle on Google+. Thanks for listening.